Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Milwaukee, UFC on Fox 31, Kevin Lee versus Ayakinta, the rematch. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday in Milwaukee. A lot of Rufus sport fighters on the card, but more importantly, Kevin Lee and Al Ayakinta get to run it back. Yeah, man, Rufus Sport's one of the best camps camps out there, and uh, they got a lot of great fighters from Milwaukee, and uh, I just love this main event. You know, Kevin, uh, he does talk a lot of trash, but I mean, this guy's entertaining. You know, he knows how to sell a fight, and I like him, so he's not bad himself, and the co-main events and the, uh, the feature fight are uh, great as well, so I'm excited. Yeah, you know, you talk about the co-main event. Anytime you have a fight with Edson Barbosa, sign me up. And now he's taking on the streaking Dan Hooker. This is a kid who moved up to 155 pounds. He's been finishing everybody he's been fighting. And now he's taking on arguably one of the most devastating strikers in the lightweight division's history, Shaq. Yeah, Hooker, I mean, he's another case of one of these guys that moved up a weight class and... uh... You know, things are definitely going a lot better for him. And Edson, he's a, been a perennial top five guy for most of his career. Some of the most devastating KOs in UFC history. So we know what he uh, brings to the table. Yeah, and real quick, before we break down this card, dude, that Max Holloway performance we saw last week, you know, that was uh, some once-in-a-lifetime type shit. That was a master class. That was absolute perfection. Have you have you ever seen anything like that? I mean, what was your reaction, dude? Yeah, man, it was a great performance. You know, uh, Holloway's been, he's proven to be uh, probably, you know, top two, three, pound for pound if he keeps going at this rate. You know, I really don't think anyone at 45 is going to beat him. Uh, I mean, it might be time to just go ahead and move up to 55s man i mean i think he's got some of the cleanest striking he gets better every single fight he's still you know in his prime age and uh he's still got a bright future <laughs> yeah no doubt about it and obviously he could go ahead look he can retire today and go down as one of the greatest at featherweight but what i think look he could go up to 55 like you said but dude there's a couple guys left at 45 that I want to see Max Holloway fight before he moves up. And I'm talking about a guy in Hanato Moicano. And I know uh, this one, you know, you might laugh at, but I want to see him and Frankie Edgar. I'll tell you why. I know Frankie Edgar falls short every title shot and this and that. And I, I definitely got Max to win that fight. But for Max to, you know, Max is going to be a legend no matter what. He's going to go down in history. But, man, just having that Frankie Edgar name on your resume, only a select few have that. And I think for Max, it would just elevate his case that much more to being the greatest featherweight of all time. Because, you know, even though he beat Jose Aldo twice, Jose Aldo can at least say, hey, I beat Frankie Edgar twice. So for, for Max, I think it's important. Just, just get that win out the way. You know what I mean? Get that fight with Frankie Edgar in there. Let's get that name on his resume. And then I really have to see him fight Hanato Moicano. And then also, you know, there's the Zabits, there's the Yairs, all those guys coming up. You know, I'd love to see that. But the ones I have to see is Hanato Moicano and Frankie Edgar. What do you think, Shaq? Yeah, you know, I agree. Hanato, you know, he's got he's to gotta beat a, another great featherweight first before he can uh, worry about um, Max Holloway. But, yeah, you know, I, I, I'd like to see that fight down the line, depending on how that performance goes. But, you know, uh, we'll see. we'll see how he does against Jose first. 
Yeah, absolutely. You can never count out the legendary, the all-time great Jose Aldo. And man, these two have been talking mad shit. I don't know if you saw that video that Jose Aldo put out, but he said that Renato's not a Brazilian. And you know this fight's in Brazil, so I'm curious who they're going to be uh, screaming, Eu vamos er, you know what I'm saying? Because uh, it's Brazilian on Brazilian crime, so it's going to be pretty interesting to see how it goes down. Uh, did you see that, that video Aldo put out? Yeah, man, and uh, it's interesting that he... I think it's interesting that uh, Jose said that he's not Brazilian anymore because he moved to Florida to train at one of the best gyms in the world. But, you know, it, it is what it is, and and they'll uh, they'll settle their differences in Brazil. And uh, it's interesting to see two Brazilians have beef like this because, you know, uh, when Renato asked for the Jose fight, they they thought it was disrespectful. They, uh, they thought that Brazilians shouldn't be fighting Brazilians. So I'm glad that they're uh, getting to do this. Yeah, they they took it personally, and to me, it's like almost like when uh, when Volkov asked a uh, black beast to come out to Russia to fight him. You know, they just took it very personally. So, man, I I can't wait to see this heated battle between uh, Moicano and Aldo. Well, Shaq, let's break down this uh, UFC Milwaukee card start to finish. First up in the heavyweight division, we got Juan Adams. He's minus four forty, and the comeback on Chris De La Roca is plus three fifty. Now, Shaq, uh, Juan Adams is only 4-0. and He's minus 440, but Chris De La Roca, he's only had seven pro fights. You think uh, Juan Adams is the rightful favorite here? You know, this is interesting because uh, Adams, his fight on Contender Series, I mean, he fought a complete bum, man. You could definitely tell he's a little green. He's only been a pro for a year, a year and some change, I think, maybe. Uh, he's definitely still green, still developing. De La Roca, the thing with him is why he's, you know, such a big underdog. He was the underdog his last fight as well is because, I mean, he's a punching bag. He's a... He's a tough, you know, a tough workman-like fighter, but I'll give him that. You know, he does have a tremendous amount of heart, but, you know, uh, he is kind of making steady improvements, I guess, from what he uh, first came in with with the first two fights to winning his last one. So, you know, I do think the fight's going to play out a little closer, but, you know, uh, one thing De La Roca can't uh, not do is not get tagged off the brakes. You know, once they separate from the clinch, he just has the tendency to shell up and eat a and eat a 10 punch combo. So, you know, I do think Adams uh has the better cardio, but uh it's going to be interesting. I definitely think both guys are going to, you know, eat shots in. I do think uh this will be kind of one of those sketchy favorites for a little while. Yeah, I feel yeah, like that, man. I got a ton of respect for Chris De La Roca. Obviously, he comes out there and fights his heart out every single time, win, lose or draw and uh you know, you know he went out there and finished Rashad Coulter that last time out, but in this spot, man, I mean, with Juan Adams, even though he's 4-0, he's handled those four opponents accordingly, all first-round finishes, all first-round knockouts to be exact, Shaq. And, I mean, you're dealing with a 26-year-old in the heavyweight division that's 6'5 with an 81-inch reach. So, you know, I, I got a lot of respect for De La Roca, but I think that Juan Adams is probably going to do work here, and uh, I think uh, he's the rightful favorite. I'm picking him. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got Zach Cummings. He's minus 320. The comeback on Trevor Smith is plus 260. Now, Shaq, uh, Zach Cummings just lost to a 55er. He's minus 320 to be an 85er. You think he goes out there and does it? Yeah, you know, this fight could possibly, you know, uh, with Trevor's size and his D1 wrestling ability, you know, this fight could definitely play out a little closer. Uh, Cummings definitely, uh, he's moving up, back up to 85, so... 
maybe he feels a little better. But, you know, this fight's uh, really interesting because I do feel like Cummings is on the decline a little bit. His fight with Tractor, he didn't look very good to me. I didn't think either of them looked too good. And Trevor, you know, one thing with Trevor Smith, he's just not very good at winning. He's not very good at taking punches, you know. I think he's he's got a great size, great body. He looks real big like a serious athlete, but... When it comes to taking punches on the chin and when it comes to just winning, he's, he's just not very good. So, you know, uh, this fight's very interesting. I, I, I do lean Cummings. I do think the line could be a little closer. Zach uh, looked real sloppy his last fight. So I'm interested to see if this weight cuts, uh, you know, if moving back up to 85 is going to play a factor. But I'll take Cummings here by, you know, uh, a tough, gritty, ugly decision. I mean, both guys like to block punches with their head. Yeah, you know, I really don't know what to make of it because what's he going to look like going up a weight class? But I think these guys that have been moving up have been performing pretty damn well. And maybe this is what Zach Cummings needed to do, you know, in a couple of those fights. Especially that Gunnar Nelson fight. You saw how much bigger he was than him. So now, you know, those uh, those uh, 15 extra pounds. It could, uh, it could benefit him and Trevor Smith. Look, we can say what we want, but the dude's kept his job in the UFC for uh, five plus years. So, you know, much respect to him. And uh, you know what he likes to do. He's a, you know, typical uh, grinder. So for Zach Cummings, it's, it's about can he deal with it. His last fight, he couldn't deal with it. But, but his last fight, he was in there with a Brazilian tank named, uh, named uh, Michelle Prezeris, you know, third-degree black belt. Trevor Smith isn't that. And Trevor Smith has also been stopped early in a couple of his fights. And I have seen Zach Cummings go out there, knock out Dominic Steele right away. So who knows? Maybe Zach Cummings gets a first-round knockout in this one. But most likely, I think it's a back-and-forth, uh, grindy-type fight. But I'll still take Zach Cummings for the victory. Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got Adam Milstead. He's minus 150. The comeback on Mike Rodriguez is plus 130. Now, uh, Shaq, Adam Milstead said if he loses to Mike Rodriguez, he's going to hang up the gloves. Uh, you think he uh, You think he gets one more UFC win here? Man, another tough fight. You know, I feel like Milstead... He's just a basic, uh, a basic tough guy, man. I just think he, you know, he he's a guy that's willing to, you know, exchange big power in the feet. Uh, you know, he can definitely he can box. Uh, it doesn't seem like he likes to shoot takedowns. And then on Rodriguez, on the other hand, you got you know a more cleaner, smoother, technical fighter. But you know, he definitely kind of likes to fight at a slower, you know, uh, you know, just more rhythmic pace as where uh milstead you know he likes a brawl so it's going to be interesting it's a matter of uh who can keep the fight in their realm you know can rodriguez keep this thing you know on the outside and you know make it a, a kickboxing match and can or can milstead you know you know exchange power with him and you know uh kind of out tough it so you know it's a it's a it's going to be a a good fight you know i definitely think uh uh, Rodriguez has room to improve from his uh, debut. And Milstead, you know, I really don't feel like he is going to improve. You know, I feel like that's just his style. So yeah, I definitely see, uh, you know, why Rodriguez is a is a live dog this weekend. And uh, I'm going to take him here too, you know. I think uh, Milstead's a tough guy. I could definitely see this becoming a war, and I, I could see Milstead t- taking it. Um, you know, I do feel like... Uh, Rodriguez has a tendency to kind of shell up when, uh, you know, when big punches are exchanged inside the pocket. But, you know, it's a, it's a good fight. But I'll take my Rodriguez. Yeah, it's going to be a very exciting fight while it lasts. Obviously, like you said, Adam Milstead, he's definitely a brawler. He goes out there. He hits hard. Uh, 
you know, shout out to my boy Dan Tom. I think he said, uh, I think the way he described it was, you know, Adam Milstead's that guy that, you know, he uh, puts on his hard hat, he packs his lunch, and uh, he goes to work. You know what I'm saying, man? He's a, he's a hardworking American. You know, he works 11 hours a day. He's not a full-time fighter, but I still respect the guy a lot. And uh, Mike Rodriguez, uh, you're dealing with a freak athlete. The dude didn't even have a strength and conditioning coach in that Devin Clark fight. Still went all three rounds, still uh, landed the harder shot standing. But, you know, listen, I know... Devin Clark, you know, we can sit here and make jokes, but, you know, the guys out here beating him are, you know, Jan Blakovich and uh, and Alexander Rakic, so, and, and my boy Alex Nicholson, who was up there, you know, c contending for that million dollars, knocking fools out on PFL, but bottom line is that I think that Mike Rodriguez, you know, I heard an interview with him, and he said the week after the Devin Clark fight, he basically said, thank you very much, Devin Clark, for teaching me that lesson, because right after that, he hired uh, Calvin Cater's strength and conditioning coach. You guys know what kind of shape Calvin Cater's in. So with a guy who was already this freak athlete, I mean, obviously you've seen him go out there, land flying knee knockouts, and I'm not just talking about on Dana White Tuesday Night Contender. He knocked dudes out with that same move uh, on the CES uh, regional scene as well. You guys know in Massachusetts, that's the top, uh, that's that's the NFC of uh, Massachusetts. It's the CES, you know. The NFC of Texas is the LFA. So, you know, he did his thing on, on that regional scene and uh, knocked guys out with flying knees. But, man, I think that he can also keep this fight at distance. He's got almost the same reach as John Bones Jones. He's got, I believe, an 83-inch reach. The guy's, uh, I mean, he's a, he's a freak athlete. So now with a real strength and conditioning program behind him, I already thought that he had raw talent. You know, Adam Milstead, I, I, you know, he's he's a just middle-of-the-pack brawler. He's exciting, fun to watch, but I think that Mike Rodriguez is going to pick him apart here, land the better shots, stay on the outside. And I want to say keep it pretty, but it's – not really going to be pretty because Adam Milstead's face is going to be very bloody when he's running into all these straight shots, you know, because you know what you know what beats a loopy shot, right, Shaq? It's a straight shot down the middle. So I'm actually going with the underdog Mike Rodriguez here. Now next up in the featherweight division, we got Dan Ige. He's minus 170. The comeback on Jordan Griffin is plus 150. Now, Shaq, uh, I believe this is the first uh, Rufus Sport fighter up on the night. Uh, Jordan Griffin, you think he's going to get it done for the squad? Yeah, Griffin's an exciting uh well you can't really call him a prospect. He's a vet. He's got twenty two fights. Uh you know, he's one of those typical you know, fighters that uh you know, they kinda struggle with the takedown defense a little bit, but they, he does have a nonstop motor and he does uh, you know, continue to improve as the fight goes on. And Ige on the other side, you know, he seems like more of a powerful explosive you know top position type of guy that likes to finish and ego ego he's uh i wouldn't say his striking's anything special i think it's just basic i don't think he's a real power threat by any means but uh you know he is willing to bang he is hawaiian he's a tough guy but i think he's got a cardio issue and i think he's limited physically i think uh you know as we saw in that rsa fight you know uh I mean, he, you know, he gassed out. I mean, his techniques were inefficient. I mean, uh, he was flopping to his back. I mean, you know, that he's a, you know how those specialists are. You know, he's a, he's a wrestler. He's a grappler. If he can't get that, that fight in his realm, he generally doesn't do well. But, you know, he did uh, drop Luis Gomez on a contender series. But uh, even after dropping him in that first round, they come back out the second round and he's getting taken down and, you know, it's getting real sloppy. So this fight's going to be real interesting. Uh, it's just going to be a battle of... You know, uh, how 
much does Griffin get taken down? You know, I think uh, he does get taken down maybe a, a little bit early, but I think he survives it. I think he wins the last two rounds, and I think he wins a, a hometown decision down there in Milwaukee. I think he's the better striker. I think Ige will slow down in the second and third, and uh, Griffin will win a close decision. You know, we were talking earlier about how, you know, a guy like Juan Adams is making his UFC debut with a 4-0 record, but Jordan Griffin is making his UFC debut with a 17-5 and record. So this guy, you know, he's been there. He's done that. So don't expect too much octagon jitters from uh, Jordan Griffin. We're probably going to get the, you know, I'm not going to say finished product because he is a very young guy, but we're going to see a disciplined, mature fighter out there. And with Dan Ige, we know what he wants to do. We know he wants to throw a big overhand right and then uh, get get on those legs, try to take your back, try to pound you out. You know, do whatever it takes uh, on the mat. You know, the guy trains with Habib, hangs out with all those guys, and uh, he's a very, very talented fighter. Interestingly enough, he's a smart guy too. He's actually a, a, a manager too. So much respect to my boy Dan Ige. And what's different to me about him, you know, than other specialists. Like, for example, you remember with, like, Rusimar Palhares and Ian Entwistle and all those guys, you know, when they couldn't get their, you know, or even Charles Dubronx, who we'll talk about later on this card, you know, if they can't get their first-round leg lock or just the first-round jiu-jitsu storm going, you know, they kind of do fold up. Well, Danny Ige has got a little bit of Hawaiian in him. So if he can't get his uh, jiu-jitsu storm going, he'll just take the ass whooping like a man. So uh, I really respect that guy. But the thing with this matchup is that if he can't get it going past that first round, Jordan Griffin is the kind of guy that'll take over in that second and third round. He's that experienced. He's been there. He's done that, like I mentioned. And also, when you watch his submission loss in 2014, because obviously when you're capping a fight like this and you know that Dan Ige you know, allegedly has this grappling advantage, you know he is a black belt. Jordan Griffin is a purple belt. You got to go back and watch a Jordan Griffin's submission loss. And I will tell you what. He is not a quick tapper by any means. He tried his hardest to fight the hands and hold his breath as long as possible on that choke. And basically, he had no choice but to tap. But it was a real struggle. It was a real battle. He made that dude work for that choke. So, And that was a, a couple years back. I can only imagine how much he's progressed. So the point is, even back in the day, he, Jordan Griffin was super tough. So, you know, I don't think there's going to be, you know, this isn't going to be like that Mike Santiago fight where, you know, one takedown and the fight's over. It's, it's not, you know, Mike Santiago's been submitted a uh, hundred times. So it ain't going to go down like that. I feel like if Jordan Griffin can make him work, he can take over in the second and third round. And uh, I'm going to go with him to actually get this upset via decision. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got Jack Hermanson. He's minus 160. The comeback on Gerald Mershart is plus 140. Now, Shaq, uh, you know uh, Jack Hermanson came through against Talis Latis, uh last time uh, with an injured rib. Now he's minus 160 against Gerald Mershart. A lot of action's been coming in on the very experienced, the very tough Mershart. Mershart's another another Rufus Sport member. Uh, you think he gets it done here as, a, as the underdog? Yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to this fight a lot. You know, I, I like uh, Hermanson's style, as I mentioned in the past before. You know, he's got good movement side to side. You know, arguably one of the best top games in MMA. I mean, how many guys has he finished with a uh, ground and pound, at least three or four? And, you know, GM3 on the other end, you know, he's a super experienced guy. I mean, this guy, you know, he was one of those guys that got thrown into the gauntlet, you know, right off the bat as a pro, earned his way. I mean, I don't know how many fights he had before he got into the UFC, but a lot. And uh, 
I mean, he's just an experienced guy, man. He, he just knows, uh, what can I say? He's, he's, uh, very calm under the, under the line of fire. I mean, he's just experienced, uh, so it's kind of hard to gauge him sometimes because he definitely isn't the most athletic guy. He definitely, you know, isn't the strongest guy, but, uh, you know, he just finds a way to make it work. You know, I, I feel like Hermanson's definitely the better athlete. I feel like he's faster. I feel like he's got the, the better uh, boxing. But, you know, uh, if, it, if you know, adversity does present itself in this fight, you know, that's the type of things that uh, GM3 thrives off, man. He's only got one loss to uh, Mahata Santos. I know Mahata also knocked out uh, Jack Hermanson. But, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a tough fight, man. Uh, but I'm a, I'm gonna go with Jack Hermanson. I think, uh, you know, it's going to be one of those cases where, you know, Mershard just falls behind, you know, I feel like, uh, the third round's going to be a little hairy just cause I feel like Mershard's that type of fighter, but uh, I'm gonna go with Hermanson by a close 29, 28 decision in Mershard's hometown. Man, this is going to be such a good fight while it lasts, you know, I'll go on record and say that I think Jack Hermanson has... The best movement in the 185 pound division. Yeah, I know. I know my boy Elias might have a problem with that, right, Shaq? But no, but I, I really do think Jack Hermanson does have the best uh, movement at 185 pounds. And every single fight, he's been putting on size because you watch that UFC debut, and you know he was a little bit of a smaller 85er. But now you see him in that fight with Talos Latus. You know, put, put the injury aside. Uh, dude was looking huge out there, and obviously, you know, if he's on this uh, strength and conditioning program, he's taking a. Uh, his Flintstone vitamins every day. I think that uh, we're going to be seeing, uh, you know, a more physical Jack Hermanson here because, uh, you know, obviously on the feet, like I said, man, the guy, you know, he's fainting. He's uh, he's landing big inside leg kicks. He can, he doesn't really throw his hands as much standing, but on the mat, you know, you, you remember when he first said that he had the most vicious ground and pound at 185 pounds? You know, at first I was kind of like, you know, dude, I mean, he, he pounded out Brad Scott, you know, no big deal. But the way he pounded out Talis Latest, you know, one doesn't simply <laughs> full mount and ground and pound Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt Talis Latest. You know, that's the only stoppage loss in terms of strikes on Talis Latest' uh, resume. You know, that's a guy that went five rounds with Anderson Silva, right? Jack Hermanson went out there with a massive injury, with a cracked rib, a broken rib, whatever it was. And I pounded him out in that in that third round, and it was very quick too, man. I mean, his uh, he's pretty vicious with it. So as far as this matchup's concerned, you know, Gerald Mershart is as tough as they come. You know, he's the kind of guy that he's so experienced that he he tapped out Sam Alvey on the regional scene. You know what I'm saying, Shaq? Uh, so my boy Gerald Mershart's definitely uh, been around the block once or twice. So as far as this matchup, I think that Jack's the more athletic guy. I think he's the more powerful guy, but. He needs to make sure not to not to gas out here. You got to manage that gas tank in this fight because you slow down on a guy like Gerald Merchart, he's not just going to tee off on you, Shaq. He's going to finish you, Shaq. So there's always a chance that Gerald Merchart catches him with something slick. He's got great chokes, a nice body kick, just that veteran experience. But overall, I think that Jack Hermanson will prevail here. Now next up in the lightweight division, we got Jared Gordon. He's minus 150. And the comeback on Joachim Neto BJJ Silva is plus 130. Now, Shaq, a newer member of Rufus Sport and Jared Gordon is competing here. You know, Gerald Mershart's the team captain. But here, Jared Gordon, he's the new guy. Uh, you think he's going to defeat Joachim Silva? 
Yeah, you know, I, I like Jared Gordon. I like his pace. I like. I think he's a tough guy. Uh, Neto BJJ, I also like him. I like his get-up game, his power. His, he's actually, you know, a pretty good technician. Um, the way I see this fight playing out, you know, I see Gordon trying to uh, implement his game plan, e- either one, either you know, doing it slowly or uh, just coming out and charging at uh, Neto BJJ. But you know, I just think that Neto, you know, isn't this brawler sloppy brawler that everyone thinks he is i think he's got clean shots and i think he'll you know pick gordon apart from the outside you know i think uh meadows cardio can and i think it will hold up uh for the three rounds you know i know gordon's got great cardio he's uh one of those what i like to call uh those slow pace high pace type of guys you know uh he's fighting high pace it's definitely a high work rate but he's definitely you know labored uh it's definitely slow but, uh, you know, I just think Neto's going to be too strong. I just think he's going to bruise him up. I think he's going to fill the shots. You know, when you see a guy like Carlos Diego Ferreira, you know, get off on the feet that early in a fight. Uh, I mean, we just saw Carlos Diego Ferreira get lit up early, you know, in the first round of uh, his last fight. You know, Carlos isn't a, a free-flowing guy. You know, he's, uh, <laughs> you know, the fact that he got off that early against Gordon lets me know that I, I just don't think Gordon's going to be able to, weigh, to get away with his sloppiness. Uh you know, exchanging the pocket with Neto BJJ. But, uh, you know, Neto's definitely got to manage his cardio here, but I think he will. I think uh, the, the the loss against Pachel, I think it was a minor um, mistake. You know, I, th- I felt like the fight honestly could have went either way. But, you know, uh, I felt like, you know, there was just more threat of uh, one-shot KO power in that fight. So I think he'll be fine here. I think he'll land the harder shots on Gordon if it goes to three rounds. But I also see a chance of uh, a possibility of a knockout as well. Yeah, you know, Jared Gordon's a guy I have a lot of respect for. Obviously, he has an unbelievable story and uh, much respect to him. Very inspiring. And also, he goes out there. uh, He's a tough guy. You know, he'll take one to give one. And it doesn't matter if he's cut up, if you're cut up. You know, he's just a a fun guy to watch. Uh, I really uh, enjoyed uh, his beatdowns of uh, Mitchell Quinones and Hakran Diaz. But the, the issue here is that... He's not fighting Mitchell Quinones or Hakran Diaz-Shack. He, he, he's fighting uh, Joachim Neto BJJ Silva. And Joachim Silva, you know, like like we mentioned with uh, Jared Gordon. Jared Gordon comes out of a great camp with Rufus Sport. Joachim Silva also comes out of a great team with uh, Evalucio Tai. You know, you, you know guys like Francisco Trinaldo. You know he's trained under Andre Dida. So they got the entire game uh, under control here. They, they got it under wraps here. So basically... The way I would break down Joaquim's style, so you look at the guy and you think that, you know, he's just, oh, this big Brazilian muscle head and he's going to gas out after one round. But it's actually quite the opposite. It's really intriguing to watch how he paces himself because, you you know, you, you go back and you watch that fight with Reza Madadi and let's uh, preface this with the fact that this fight is in Sweden and Reza Madadi is Alexander Gustafsson's teammate. So if you're going to fight close against Alexander Gustafsson's teammate in Sweden, most likely you're going to lose. And uh, in my opinion, Neto BJJ was able to go out there and make that second and third round decisive. He got taken down in the first round. Much respect to Reza, who I believe is either an Iranian or a Swedish state champion wrestler. You know, someone can comment on the YouTube comments and correct me. Uh, So he got taken down in the first round by the wrestler who... uh, has taken down everyone else that he's fought in the UFC, the same wrestler that finished Michael Johnson. So 
no big deal. You got taken down in the first round. That means you got to come back out and win the next two. So what happens the next two? All of a sudden, it's not so easy to take down Joachim Silva. All of a sudden, he's pushing down on the head, pulling the leg out. All of a sudden, it's nuts on the forehead. And uh, it's uh, Reza Madani that's getting lit up in that fight and losing the second and third round in Sweden. I thought that was an impressive performance. I mean, he knocked out uh, Andrew Holbrook in about 30 seconds. You know Andrew Holbrook beat Jake Matthews, right? And then the fight with Vince Pichel. Even even in defeat, that was, uh, in my opinion, his most uh, mature performance to date. You know, I feel like uh, Vince Pichel is a very powerful guy. I feel like he's a lot bigger than Jared Gordon. He's a lot more powerful. You know, I, in my personal opinion, Jared Gordon should fight at 45. In Jared Gordon's opinion, he should also fight at 45. In the UFC's opinion, he should fight at 45. But in Duke Rufus's opinion, he should fight at 55. So that's the only reason he's uh, fighting up this weight class. But, you know, Joachim was fighting with guys like Vince Pichel who are massive. Who You know, Vince Pichel is a guy who one-shot KO Damian Brown. Damian Brown's known for his durability. Damian Brown's known for these fight-of-the-night wars with Frank Camacho, the John Tuck fight, the Maestro Kim fight. You don't go out there and knock out Damian Brown. And uh, Vince Pichel uh, knocked out Damian Brown. Obviously, you remember his other performances where he's going out there and suplexing guys. And, you know, when he got suplexed too. But more importantly, you know him as this strong physical guy. Well, he picked up Neto BJJ over his shoulder and still couldn't take him down. So I, I just feel like the the improvements that Silva's making here are going to win him this fight, man, and are, you know, more substantial than Jared. Jared's got his game down pat. That's what he does. Take one to give one, and that's going to work against, uh, you know, these guys, like I said, like Mitchell Quinones and Hakran Diaz, you know, who's not on steroids anymore. You know, if they give him Devin Powell, that's going to work against Devin Powell. But the reason I don't think it's going to work against Joachim Silva is because when I think he's, when I think Jared Gordon walks in, I think he's going to, uh, be met with some big shots, and uh, I think he's going to be countered all night long, potentially knocked out. So I do have Joachim Silva here. Now, Shaq, next up in the lightweight division, we got Drakkar Close. He's minus 250, and the comeback on Bobby Green is plus 210. So, man, uh, Bobby Green's back at it again. You think he's going to uh, talk some shit and box uh, Drakkar up as an underdog here? Man, I'm a big Bobby Green fan, you know, uh... Always have, always will be. Jakar definitely looked good his last fight against Lando. I liked how he just came out, set the tone, and, you know, put it on him. Uh, this fight's going to be real interesting, man. These guys have definitely been talking a lot of shit on uh, Instagram. Uh, you know, I definitely feel like Jakar, you know, is you know clearly the younger, fresher, uh, you know, you can say hungrier, uh, you know, more energetic fighter. You know, Bobby's, you know, prime is probably you know past and gone but bobby's still a savvy fighter he can still you know shoulder roll and box but uh personally i just think he just at, at this at when he, i think uh in this particular matchup or even against uh these up-and-coming guys now just the way the game tends to go i i do think he's going to be on the defensive a lot here you know i think he'll hold his own of course but i just think jakar is just going to be too physical i think jakar is going to move forward throw his calf kicks when he can tie him up just use his typical uh you know lab style man just be the rougher guy i think bobby will definitely land some shots here and there but i just think uh jakar's work rate his size his physicality is going to be a little bit too much for bobby yeah i agree man you know i think that the calf kicks are definitely going to add up you know he uh 
Drakkar close has been pretty damn impressive, man. I you went out there, destroyed Devin Powell. You know, I could sit here and criticize that he didn't finish him, but you know what? No one's finished Devin Powell. All these guys, uh, you know, you just go out there and beat his ass for three rounds. Uh, no, no one finishes him, so he he took care of that job. Uh, Mark DeCasey derailed that hype train. Lando Venata derailed that hype train. You know, I was on Lando in that fight, and uh, after the first calf kick. It was at that moment, Shaq, that I knew I was fucked. So, you know, Drakkar's definitely been impressing me. Now, let me bring up the, the Tamor fight because I know he got frustrated in that fight. But the fact that he was putting his hands up in the air and he was talking shit kind of leads me to believe that Bobby Green might actually be able to... I don't want to sit here and say get into his head because we're talking about some very high-level fighters here. But ma make him fight, you know, that kind of street fight, that less... Uh, I don't want to say less mature because, I mean, these are two professional fighters. But, you know, make him uh, make him talk shit back and forth. Get it into Bobby Green's type of fight because Drakkar, uh, he's tried to fight like that in the past. So if Bobby Green can get it into that kind of fight, I think that he does have a chance here. However, it's most likely going to be Drakkar with the discipline, you know, calf kick, MMA lab, push him up against the fence, kill the clock type decision. So... I'm going to go with uh, Drakkar close by, by decision here. Now, next up, we got Andrea Lee. She's minus 245, and the comeback on Jessica Rose Clark is plus 205. Shaq, a lot of people thought the line was really wide. Are you one of those believers? Man, it's hard to say. Uh, you know, I definitely feel that Andrea Lee is a well-rounded fighter with a lot of potential. I mean, you know, I know her debut opponent, Macedo, I mean, you know, a cupcake type of fight. But, I mean, she definitely showed her skill set. She definitely shows what she's capable of. Uh, she had 14 fights. She won 12 of them. She's uh, fought some of the top 10 outside of the UFC. So, I mean, she's definitely uh, experienced. She's definitely going through a lot of, you know, uh, other shit on the outside. Um, Rose Clark, you know, definitely, you could say a little underrated, man. I mean, you know, she definitely beat Paige Van Zandt. And, you know, I, the I fight, I feel like it was just a case of, uh, you know, she ran into something that's, I mean, the top, you know, three, four girl in the world. You know, I's uh, doing her thing right now. So, hey, Shaq, you know, I still have a lot of respect for uh, Rose Clark. I definitely feel like she has a couple advantages in this in this fight, and, you know, her being her size and her boxing. You know, I definitely feel like she's the better puncher. Of the two, I, I like uh, Lee Andrea Lee's kicks, knees, elbows. She's definitely got that game uh, down pat. It's gonna be a tough fight. I definitely do feel like the line could be closer. Um, I mean, you know, these female fights, you know, for the most part, always tend to, you know, fairly be close. So, you know, there's definitely value in the dog. You know, uh, I mean, you're gonna have a chance at the end of the day. Will you win? It's tough, man. You know, Lee. She's 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 solid, man. She's well rounded. I mean, there's not really much I could say. Uh it's definitely she's definitely got a tougher opponent. She's definitely gonna have a lot more resistance. So, you know, I'd be be careful of uh, both sides, but I'm gonna personally sit back and uh watch it. But I will take uh Andrea Lee by uh close decision. Shaq, you mentioned how Jessica I is, you know, number three or number four in the world. Well, the rankings came out today and Jessica I is number one in the world. So you know, I, I personally want to apologize to Jessica I because, you know, this year, you know, la last fight we definitely showed her more respect. But the first two fights going into this new weight class, 
you know, I was completely counting her out. And I think it's because, uh, you know, after that Leslie Smith fight, you know, I was high on Jessica. I, I thought that she might be the one to go out there and beat Ronda Rousey. And then after that Misha Tay fight, I, I got to say, I, I jumped off the bandwagon. And then you see that Sarah McMahon fight. But, hey, my girl Jessica, I, she faced adversity like a fucking champ. She's ranked number one in the world right now, Shaq. There's no more. There's nothing else to say. She, she has a number one next to her name so you know that's uh pretty fucking awesome you know the shows that you can overcome anything uh four losses in a row should have been cut was called the biggest joke all these things and now she's number one in the fucking world so my hat's off to to jessica i but as far as this matchup so with that being said jessica rose clark just went to a decision with the number one girl in that weight class and it was one to one going into the third round all it came down to was that one takedown and that's the only reason uh rose clark lost that fight so you know a couple adjustments and i think that uh maybe maybe she could win that fight because uh, her hands definitely were looking good there and when we talk about adjustments she actually left uh syndicate i believe you know with john wood and now she's uh training at extreme couture so who knows if that's a added distraction or if that's going to make her camp situation better. But if you want to talk about distraction, Shaq, I mean, Andrea Lee, uh, you know, we don't need to mention what's going on there. It's well publicized, but, you know, to lose to lose your head coach, uh, that's got to, you know, I wonder, I wonder where her head's at. That's all I got to say. I, w- I wonder where she's at mentally. But, man, Andrea Lee's got a lot of potential, you know. At first, I thought it was just this gimmick with the cowboy hat, and she's got the cute southern accent and and all that. But, man, uh, the girl can fight, too, you know. She's got some solid Muay Thai on the mat. She's not half bad either. Some flashy submissions. She's actually fought some decent competition on the Invicta scene. So, Andrea Lee... uh, She's definitely no spring chicken, I'll tell you that that much right now. And I think she's rightfully favored, but I was thinking she should be more minus 170, you know, minus 165, not not really minus 245. So for that reason, I do think there's value in Jessica Rose Clark. And with all, all the added outside factors, I'll go with Jessica Rose Clark via split decision here. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got Dwight Grant. He's minus 280, and the comeback on Zach Otto is plus 240. Shaq, uh, a lot of people weren't impressed with Dwight Grant in his contender series fight because, uh, you know, because he didn't knock the guy out in 30 seconds. Instead, uh, he knocked him out in seven minutes. It wasn't good enough for their standards. Uh, so I gotta know, man. You think he's gonna come out here and uh, and defeat Zach Otto? It's real interesting because. I mean, I've seen him KO guys, you know, out cold, stiff, you know, unconscious. Uh, so that's interesting. You know, I think Otto, uh, personally, you know, I think Otto embarrassed himself his last fight, man. <laughs> I think he made a, a fool out of himself. Uh, you know, he's definitely trying to recover. But, uh, you know, the whole making videos the week uh, the week of the fight and then, you know, you're trying to act like a tough guy when, you know, You've been knocked out by Zach McElride and, you know, uh, you've been embarrassed by Jacob Volkman. You know, I think uh, Otto's days in the UFC, you know, possibly could be numbered. You know, I think he's a guy that capitalized on, you know, some good opponents uh, on the early stages of his career, like Berkman and like uh, 37-year-old Kichi Kunamoto and uh, 37-year-old Japanese uh, Kuchi Kunamoto. And then... uh, 
and uh, you know, forty-two-year-old Mike Pyle on his retirement fight. So, you know, uh, I think Otto's just a, a benefit, a beneficiary of who he's been fighting. You know, I think uh, every time he steps up in competition, uh, you know, he gets exposed. Uh, you know, he did have that close fight with Sergino down there in Brazil, but uh, you know. I mean, he's definitely an, an athlete. He's a, football, a former football player. But I just don't think uh, he has what it takes on the inside to compete in the UFC or to, to stick in the UFC. You know, I think, uh, you know, clearly in that Sage fight, you know, he definitely had the knockdown and the, the top control. But what happened the second they got back up to the feet? He quit. And uh, the Legion Leon fight, I, I thought he quit as well. So, you know, I think Dwight Grant might not be the best, but I definitely think he can, you know, do his job here. You know, I think he's got big enough shots to put fear in Otto. You know, I feel like Otto's a little scared to get hit. I feel like uh, Dwight Grant's also very big, got some pro kickboxing experience, trained at AK, trains at AKA with uh, Justin Willis. I think they'll be prepared. He'll have Javier Mendez in his corner, and I think they'll put away Otto. Yeah, you know, I actually think Zach Otto will make a great coach. You know, he's got Montel Jackson under him. So I think after this fight, coaching is going to be a great career for him. And uh, as far as Dwight Grant's concerned, man, like I was saying, you know, people weren't impressed. Oh, sorry it wasn't a 30-second knockout. You know, sorry it was a seven-minute knockout. You know what I'm saying, Shaq? It's not, like, it's not like he took any damage in that fight or anything like that either. And then you go back and – you watch that fight against Jordan Williams. And if you guys don't know about Jordan Williams, this is a kid that was on Dana White Tuesday Night Contender. He smashed his opponent. I believe he got a UFC contract. And uh, Dwight Grant slept this kid on the regional scene badly. And you watch the sprawl of a kid like Dwight Grant because we know, we know Zach Otto is not going to be able to stand with him. We know Zach Otto is going to try to get into the mat. You know, should, should I mention the fact that the kid trains at AKA or should I mention the actual sprawl I saw in that fight? Because, bro, that was an absolutely beautiful sprawl. The kid's calm out there. He's poised. And then obviously he's got the natural gifts, a uh, very talented guy. So I think uh, it's going to be a brutal, vicious, stiff KO. I think uh, my boy Zach Otto's taking a canvas nap here. And uh, Dwight Grant will be a new prospect at 170 pounds. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a rematch. Charles Dubronx Oliveira. He's minus 320. The comeback on Jim Miller is plus 260. Now, Shaq, the first time they fought, Jim Miller beat him via knee bar. I actually picked Charles Dubronx in that fight. And uh, now Jim Miller is plus 260 against a guy that he finished in the first round. You think he's going to be able to repeat history here? No, I do not. I, I like Charles in this fight, and, and I like Charles actually pretty handedly, man. You know, I know Jim uh, had a nice win his last fight against Alex White. Definitely, you know, a great moment for him there, but uh, I, I still think he's on the decline. You know, I think that uh, Charles has actually been looking pretty good, man. I think uh, Charles is actually, you know, beating guys on the feet. You know, I know uh, there are guys like Chris Osquiagos and Clay Guida, but I mean, you know, uh, since the Felder fight, he's been doing his thing. You know, Charles is one of those guys where, you know, he has a limit, definitely. Of course, you never know when he, he'll take a knee, you know, to a, a body shot or a body kick. So that's definitely one thing uh, you have to be worrisome about. But, but I, I think that uh, 
he's gonna Jim's gonna try to do his thing early. You know, Charles has definitely got to be careful, but I wouldn't sleep on Charles' technical abilities here. You know, I definitely think he could uh, hit Jim with some shots that make him deteriorate. You know, fairly fast and make him resort back to his old ways. You know, I think that uh, Jim just ran across a sloppy. You know, just poorly trained fighter and and Alex White's last fight, and I think uh, that uh, Charles will get a submission here. I think uh, he'll hurt Jim Miller with a knee at some point or an elbow, something along those lines, and uh, eventually get a hold of that neck and uh, get another 50k bonus. Yeah, I mean, dude, he already has the most submissions in UFC history, and now he's fighting Jim Miller, who probably has what the second or third most submissions in UFC history. So. You know there's a chance uh, someone uh, is going to tap out or go to sleep. It's going to be very exciting. And as far as Charles Dubronx, you know how you know how last week I was kind of talking about how Maheta is the best hammer but kind of the worst nail? I think I, I think I was wrong about that, Shaq, because, you know, may, maybe it was a weight class thing because he went up to 205 pounds and now he's been eating the hard shots fine. So, you know, may, may, maybe uh, I should change that. Maybe I should change that description to Charles Oliveira because he's the best hammer and the worst nail in the UFC. I mean, sometimes he's dangling off these guys' necks. He's getting calf slicers. He's an innovator. You, you've never seen any of these submissions before in your life. They come out of nowhere, and they're against black belts. They're against very high-level guys. And then other times, uh, he's quitting uh, in main events one minute in and making up injuries that don't exist. So, you know, and also, you know how you were talking about in that uh, Zach Otto versus Li Jingliang fight, how, you know, Zach Otto didn't really get knocked out there. You know, he just kind of covered up. Well, you know, uh, Cub Swanson had the famous quote after the Charles Oliveira fight. Cub Swanson said, I don't think I knocked him out. I think he quit. So don't be surprised if Jim Miller comes out here. And, uh, you know, if he can survive that early jujitsu storm, that's the path to beating Charles Dubronx Oliveira. And if, you know, I, I know Jim battles Lyme disease and the fact that he's in the UFC, you know, with that, that's just unbelievable. You know, he's he's such an inspirational guy. And in his, fast, in his last fight, he definitely looked a little bit faster, no doubt about it. So maybe if that's under control, maybe we can see a vintage Jim Miller here. But realistically speaking, I, I think even though he's fought top-level competition, you know, his whole career, but recently, you know, guys like Trinaldo and Anthony Pettis and Dustin Poirier. So, you know, that's why he's been taking those losses. Dan Hooker, I just think that Charles Dubronx is probably going to get off on that early jujitsu storm and somewhere along the way find the neck of the very tough veteran Jim Miller and win via submission. So I will go with Charles Dubronx as a favorite here, but betting-wise – I like to only trust him. I say trust him. I like to only bet him uh, if he's an underdog. But at the same time, if you think that Jim Miller's completely done, you think he's just going to come out here and blow him out the water, then then go ahead. I completely understand where you're coming from. Next fight, we got Robbie Fonch. He's minus 160. The comeback on Sergio Pettis is plus 140. Now, Shaq, uh, Pettis is the hometown underdog. You think he can come out here and represent for Rufus Sport? Man, it's a very tough fight to predict to me. Uh, you know, uh, I think Robbie Font at Bantamweight has had one of the more tougher roads. I mean, this guy's already fought a Sun Sal, Lineker, Pedro, uh, Douglas De Silva. 
I mean, he's had a tough road in the UFC, and then uh, Sergio, one of the most high prospects to come in, you know, just because of, because of his brother. And I mean, this guy's got a great resume as well, and he's fought some of the best, best of the best at flyweight. You know, uh, it's just hard to hard to read uh, what the moving up to bantamweight's going to be like. You know, because like we've been saying earlier, these guys moving up in weight have definitely been doing their thing. They generally do do their thing their first couple fights, and am I very will be the case once again but you know uh man it's just you know flyweight's definitely you know a lot faster a lot more agile so you know that has its more advantages but i mean when you think about the the type of things that i that i think rob font has seen or just you know in terms of the stand-up department because that's where i do think this fight will take place you know i don't think rob font uh just I know he does have occasional wrestling here and there, but I mean, I, I truly think he's going to try to stand toe to toe with uh, with Sergio. But you know, when it just comes to the exchanges, man, I just feel like Rob Font has experienced, uh, man, just 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 better, man. I feel like in terms of at least you know fight ending power. Of course, Sergio is definitely more technical, more point fighty. He's definitely going to have to make Rob Font, you know, look a step behind, look real flat. Uh, you know, for the three-round process. And uh, it's definitely possible he's done it before. He's done it against Moreno. But, you know, those guys are flyweight. So it's it's really hard. I, I don't know which uh, which side to play it, man. You know, I feel like Rob Font, you know, definitely is a little slower. I definitely think, you know, Sergio's going to have a speed advantage. But, uh, you know, I'm worried about, you know, just the when the one shot does land on Sergio's chin, you know, what kind of effect? Because I, I don't think he's been fighting guys with any any type of power like Rob Font, you know, in the in recent memory. You know, the last time he fought at 35, he got dropped and and finished. And uh, you know, I could definitely see something, you know, similar playing out. I definitely could see Font, you know, falling behind and you know being able to bring himself back into this fight with the with a knockdown or a wobble. I mean, this fight with Tomas Almeida was one of the underratedly you know one of the better fights of that year man i thought those two stood in the pocket and exchanged as hard as you possibly could but uh it's definitely going to be different reads in this fight i lean robbie font i just think that uh he's the more powerful bigger guy i think that uh you know sergio's gonna do his thing but i just feel like the power is gonna be the difference in this fight you know, man, I feel like Sergio Pettis's chin issues are kind of overrated, and maybe that'll backfire if Rob Font comes out here and knocks him out. But the reality is, man, I mean, he, he was just in there with Sir, with uh, Joseph Benavidez, and I didn't see uh, Sergio Pettis getting rocked too much. You saw what he did to Alex Perez. I mean, uh, jo- you know how much respect I got for Joseph Benavidez? This is a guy, his only losses are to Dominic Cruz, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, and Sergio Pettis. Those are the only guys that have figured out how to beat him. So to me, that's a super high-level win, no matter what the weight class is. And uh, as far as you know, the chin thing, yeah, he got dropped uh, at 35 pounds you know, when, when he was 19 years old. But now he's 25. He's a grown man. So now moving up, now I think is the perfect time for a guy like that to, to move up to that weight class. And you know, now it comes down to, uh, you know, Robbie Font, how much bigger will he be in this spot? And is he going to try to wrestle? Because I know in some of his fights, uh, he does wrestle. He's known for his boxing mostly, but uh, he definitely uh, has tried to take some of these guys down. When when he was in there with, uh, you know, mid-tier flyweight and Matt Schnell, he put him out in the first round. But I think that 
Sergio Perez, you know, obviously is a top three flyweight. I think it's going to be a much better performance uh, with him moving up to to bantamweight. So you know, there's de- there's always a chance that Robbie Font can knock you out because that's what Robbie Font does. He knocks guys out. But man, every time he's fought a better striker, and even though you can make the argument of Swim Sal, Lineker, Pedro Munoz, all these guys are possibly. Uh, on better uh, levels than Sergio Pettis, even though Sergio's ranked uh, higher than two of those guys. Sergio Pettis is a great striker too, man. So, you know, there is that chance that Robbie Font could get counter. He could be the slower guy. He could eat leg kicks, uh, straight punches down the middle. But there's also the chance that Robbie Font can come out here and uh, and steamroll Sergio Pettis if, if the size really is that big of a factor like people are making it seem. Um, so it just comes down to which one is it. I'm going to personally go with Sergio Pettis uh, picking apart Robbie Font and uh, coming through as an underdog. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got Dan Hooker. He's minus 120 in the comeback on Edson Barboza's plus 100. Shaq, if this fight was a year ago, I don't think Edson Barboza would be an underdog to Dan Hooker. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, Hooker's been looking real good as of late. Another guy that moved up in weight and has, uh, you know, went on a run, uh, finish streak as well. You know, I definitely feel like he's timing the knees up the middle a lot better. And, you know, his, uh, his training with Israel's definitely been playing off. You could definitely see him progressively, you know, learning how to play, you know, that similar game like Israel knows how to play. Um, so, you know, look out, look out for Hooker. You know, Edson, you know, we know what to expect from Edson. We know that we're going to get a, you know, a, a hard-kicking, hard-punching Brazilian that uh, is going to try to knock your block off and can, you know, technically strike for three rounds as well. We know that he's very chinny. We know that he can definitely slow down as the rounds progress. But uh, we know that his hard shots can definitely make the crowd ooh and ah, and he could possibly win a decision if you're not uh, if you don't answer back. So, you know, I don't feel like Edson, uh, I know he's back at, or he switched camps to ATT for this fight. He left Mark Henry. So uh, we'll see if that, you know, kind of rejuvenated things. But I actually think Hooker's going to come out here, and uh, I th- I do think he's going to get it done. You know, I think it's going to be a stand-up fight strictly, but I do think Edson's going to most likely win the early portion of the fight. But somewhere along the line, you know, late in that first, you know, towards the end of that first, I think Hooker's going to land a shot that, you know, uh, make just makes Edson deteriorate. And, you know, I feel like uh, that second second third round hooker will somewhere get the finish you know uh it's gonna be a good fight it's definitely gonna be some scary exchanges but uh i actually see hooker improving at a fast rate and i i like him to get the win here a finish actually there's a very good chance that what you just said happens uh that what you just said uh is gonna happen happens man because Obviously, Hooker has been knocking out everyone he's been fighting. You know, Edson Barbosa took a ton of punishment in his last two fights. But when you look at the matchup, there's not much of a takedown threat here. And not only that, uh, it's not, it's, it wasn't even the takedown defense that was the issue for Barbosa. He's got fine takedown defense. It was the forward pressure, uh, you know, the, the relentless attack that these guys put on him. And I feel like Dan Hooker is more of a methodical guy, likes to play at range. And I actually think that plays into Barboza's favor because, you know, there's three ways to beat a tall a tall opponent, and one of those ways doesn't matter here, which is you know the wrestling. So let's throw that out the window. So the two ways to beat a tall opponent in this spot are to chop down the tree, which is you know the leg kicks, and 
Guess who happens to be uh, one of the best leg kickers in the history of the sport, Shaq? Edson Barbosa. You know who was getting off on leg kicks against uh, Dan Hooker? You know, my boy Ross Pearson, who, you know, he's getting up there in age. Well, now Edson Barbosa's got this chance to get off on the leg kicks. The other way to beat a taller opponent, you know the deal. You know, you know why they call it tall man defense? So you go up top with big shots, man. So I think that Barbosa has. He's primed and ready in terms of the weapons, the tools, the arsenal to go out there, chop down that tree, land those big shots upstairs. And, man, there's just one big issue with Edson Barbosa, isn't there, Shaq? And it's his chin. And, you know, people want to say that his chin issues are overrated. You know why that's bullshit? Because if his chin issues were overrated, he'd be world champion by now. If Edson Barbosa's chin issues were overrated, he would be world champion right now. But unfortunately, you know, he did get dropped by that jab by Cerrone. You know, uh, I mean, dude, I, do we got to go through all, all the times he's been dropped? Fucking Gilbert Melendez, you're 30 25 the guy, and he still drops you. So that that's why, you know, that's why it's sketchy because it's Edson's going to pick this guy apart, chop his leg down, land big shots, and then it could be it could be a jab. It could be a knee. So I'm just uh, worried about him going down to one shot. But it, I do think, Shaq, that if it goes all three rounds, that uh, Barboza's going to win the decision, man. So I'm going to go with Edson Barboza. Now he's the underdog. I'm going to go with Barboza for the upset here. Next up in the lightweight division, we got the main event of the evening. Kevin Lee's minus 350, the comeback on Ally Quintas, plus 290. Shaq, Al won the first time. You think he wins the second time as an underdog? Man, I'm looking forward to this fight a lot. Uh, you know, Kevin Lee, uh, he's been, he always, uh, he always, you know, he doesn't believe in my boy Dustin. I saw his, uh, saw his comments earlier today, but no, as far as the fight goes, uh, I can say, you know, I feel like, you know, uh, when these guys generally come off a Khabib fight, you know, when you look at the issue, I mean, it generally tends to get real bad. But, you know, I feel like Aya Kent is a tough game guy. I just feel like Kevin Lee is a different type of athlete. You know, I feel like Aya Kent's wrestling defense, you know, is good. But, I mean, you know, definitely coming off that last fight, uh, you know, the, uh, a de- Kevin, look, Kevin, there's definitely some openings for, you know, the one, two, the straight right down the middle. He's definitely a little stiff. He definitely is chinny. He's definitely been rocked in pretty much every single fight. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I can say that's his way to win this fight. He's got to catch him. I just feel like Kevin's too well-rounded, just a better athlete, better martial artist, better kicks, just uh, the the switching of the stance, just his presence. He's so big in there on fight night. I think uh, Kevin has one of the brightest futures at lightweight. I definitely think he could still be a possible future champion down the line. So I, I got Kevin Lee by ground and pound finish at some point. I got a lot of respect for Al. I just think that his game uh, – it's just not up to par with Kevin's. Yeah, I got a lot of respect for both of these guys. You know, Ally Kinta, he's got that unbelievable uh, troll account. It's uh, one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, you should definitely go check that out, that Ally Kinta Realty. Pretty badass. But as far as his matchup's concerned, look, the first time, it was Kevin Lee's debut. He was green. He, was, he wasn't he was seasoned. And he still went out there and almost choked out Ally Kinta in that second round. And since that point, obviously, Al made it all the way to the title shot. Kevin Lee made it to the interim title shot. I mean, both these guys have fought for UFC belts before. Now they're competing in uh, back-to-back uh, main events. Uh, these, these guys are studs. They're badasses, man. Uh, you know, Ally Kinta, you could say the best part of his game is his MMA boxing, but he's well-rounded. You remember 
when uh, Kevin Lee was going for that single leg against him and he dropped down for that leg lock. You know, he's got some slick Sarah, Sarah Longo BJJ. Uh, Ally Kinta's a well-rounded guy. Now, it, it's kind of interesting, though, Shaq. You know how we call some guys chinny, and, you know, by chinny, you know, you know, they don't take the hardest shot. They they go unconscious easily. You punch them once and, and they go to sleep, right? Well, with Ally Kinta, it, it's kind of a different situation. With some guys, they're chinny. With Ally Kinta, he's choky. And what I mean by that, Shaq, is that, you know, you touch this guy's neck, and I don't know why, but within two seconds, he's asleep. And it's not even because he's, you know, not a tough guy. He's as tough as they come. He tries to fight the hands. He does everything correctly. He, do he doesn't tap out. The dude will just go to sleep. So, dude, I think that if Kevin gets around that neck like he did uh, to Kiesa, uh, Ally Kinto's going to go to sleep in this fight, man. It just comes down to Kevin Lee, you know, I know Kevin Lee's really cocky and arrogant. He's really hilarious. I, I really I really like hearing him talk. He's a funny guy. But just be smart out there. I mean, on the feet, he lands some of the hardest kicks uh, that I've seen uh, in a while, man. Uh, pe people uh, underrate his kicks because they just talk about his grappling, and his grappling's amazing. His, his presence, his physicality out there, just that tie-up you saw against Barboza was just absolutely devastating man so I, I really think he's gonna overwhelm al with that physical presence that tie up pick him up and slam him land some big kicks and eventually take his back and choke him out and like i said i think uh i don't think al's gonna tap i think he's gonna go to sleep but now we gotta hit up kyle marley for the big marley minute and joining us now on the big marley minute is big marley himself kyle you're finally back uh how did uh how did DraftKings treat you over there yeah man long time no talk uh, it was awesome going out to a King of the Beach down there in Boca Raton. Uh, it was just really like a four-day party. And then when I got back, I, I was sick like the next day. So I paid for it for about a week. But now I'm back. I got my voice ready to roll. I've been on fire, and I plan on keeping going this weekend. Yes, you have, my man. Uh, everyone follow this man at Big Marley 3. Kyle, let's get right down to business, dude, because Kevin Lee's rematching Ally Kinta. Al took the first fight. It was a very closely contested battle. Who you got in the rematch? Got to go with Kevin Lee. Uh, he just improved so much since their first fight. And now he's one of the best fighters in that division. Uh, and one of the most dominant wrestlers. I think I think he's probably going to win this fight wherever it goes. But if he's having trouble in the stand-up department, he's just going to take it down. And I think he dominates the fight on the ground. Uh, his last fight over Barbosa, he scored 164 DraftKings points. So that's the kind of ceiling we're working with here with Kevin Lee, and I think he's a great play. Uh, you can stack the fight in cash games if you want to. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do there yet, but Kevin Lee's for sure going to be in my cash game lineup. And then uh, if you're going to take some shots on Iaquinta, I think you're really relying on the knockout because I don't see any other way he gets the win here. Uh, great fight overall. I'm picking Lee by uh, submission. Now, there's a lot of mixed opinions on the co-main event of the evening between Dan Hooker and Edson Barboza. Currently, I see uh, Edson Barboza as a plus 110, as a plus 100 in a couple books. And I also see a plus 100 on Dan Hooker in a certain book. But it looks like the majority of the action right now is coming in on Dan Hooker. Which way are you going? Uh, I'm going to lean towards Barboza, but just slightly, really. Uh, this is a fight I'm really looking forward to. I'm glad they're not giving Barbosa another wrestler. We get to see him in a striking match, and Hooker's been on a roll. So uh, I think there is some recency bias here with Hooker being on a four-fight win streak. 
Barboza getting dominated in his last two. Because um, I think he should be a slight favorite. And with that line, uh, and we get a $200 discount on DraftKings, I would rather go ahead and just take Barbosa as the dog. Uh, the only thing is we're, we're going to need a knockout for him to score highly because neither one of these guys is going for takedowns. Um, and I just don't see him scoring 100 points in a 15-minute striking match. So in order to win first place in the GPP, you're really needing a knockout. Um, so if you're confident in either one of those guys getting the knockout, definitely throw them in your lineups. But it's not a fight that I'm going to be making a point to get into my lineups. Um, if they fit, if I have like $8,000 left on the table in my last pick, then I'll throw in Barbosa. But I'm definitely not going to start any lineups here. But I'll pick Barbosa to win a decision. Robbie Font's taking on Sergio Pettis. A lot of people think it's a foregone conclusion that Rob Font's going to come out here and knock Sergio Pettis out. But Kyle, I've noticed these guys moving up in weight class have a lot of success. You think Sergio's going to get the win here in his hometown? Yeah, I think it being in his hometown helps, and I'm actually picking Sergio to win out right here. Uh, I think he's just going to be the faster guy. He can hit and move, and then every time he hits Font, the, the crowd is going to react to it. So if this does go to a decision, I think Font is going to need it to be pretty clear to get his hand raised. Otherwise, I think if it's close, it's going to be going to Pettis in his hometown. Um, I think the finishing potential and the higher ceiling on DraftKings is actually Font. Um, but since I'm picking Pettis to win, I'm really not rostering Font too much in my lineups. Um, and Pettis is not a guy I really want to go too heavy on either because even if he wins, he might score like 65 points, and that's not going to help you a ton at – 7,800 uh, or whatever he is on DraftKings. So it's not a fight I'm targeting a lot, but it is a dog I like to win, and we do need dogs in our lineup. Absolutely. So speaking of a dog, Zach Otto is taking on Dwight Graham. They currently got Zach Otto. He's plus 250. I'm sure that the the price is very low on DraftKings as well. You think he's got a chance to come out here and beat this prospect? Man, I, I don't know. I think it's a, a low chance, and I think Grant's actually one of the best uh, plays on the card. This this fight just spells out knockout to me. Um, his inside the distance line is minus 155, and his TKO line is minus 145. Uh, I think that's about right. I think we are going to see a knockout here, and if it's a first-round knockout, then he's going to score really highly, and he's definitely one of my favorite plays on the board. So Andrea Lee is taking on Jessica Rose Clark. I kind of thought the line was going to be a little bit closer just based on the experience of Jessica Rose Clark. She was just in there with uh, the current number one uh, contender, Jessica I. It was a very close decision. Andrea Lee does have a lot of distractions going on outside the cage. Who you got in this one? I'll take Andrea Lee. Not a fight that I really care too much about. It's probably going to go to a decision, and I don't really see her scoring 97 points like she did and her UFC debut, so I'm not going to be targeting her very heavily. And I think with Clark, if this does go to a decision, maybe she could be a cash game punt, and hopefully we can get like 30 points and a loss from her. Uh, but I think that's probably the best way to play her because I don't really see her getting the win here. Not a fight I really care too much about, but I'll pick Lee to get the win. So Drakkar Close is making his return against Bobby Green. You know, Bobby Green, he, he's a mystery. I mean, uh He'll go out there, have some competitive fights with some really tough guys, but lately he's been losing a lot of decisions. You think that trend continues here? Yeah, I do. Um, and this fight has the highest odds to go to a decision, so it's really like the last fight we just talked about. Uh, I'm going to pick the favorite, but 
I don't think Close is going to score very highly in a win, and I definitely don't think he's going to 10x his $9,300 salary. So I really don't have any interest in Close. Um, and with Green, it's more just if this is going to go three rounds, maybe he can get 30 to 40 points in a loss, and he's cash game playable for that reason. So I think we're, we're kind of going to have to choose uh, if we want Clark or if we want Green as our punt. And I don't feel confident in either one of them winning. It's just who's going to score more at a loss is kind of how I'm looking at it. And I'm okay with taking that loss in cash games because we can get our wins elsewhere. But I'm sure I'm going to have one of those two as my cash game punt and just take the points I can get. But I'm going to take close to win. I just think he's probably going to win with like a 75-point win, and that's not going to do you any good with his 9,300. So Adam Milstead's taking on Mike Rodriguez. I have a feeling the winner of this fight might uh, end inside the distance. It might be a knockout here. These are two big men. So are you going with Milstead or Rodriguez? Yeah, I'm going to go with the dog here. Uh, I think it's probably going to be high scoring for whoever does win because I think it is going to be a knockout. Uh, fight doesn't go to a decision is minus 180, and both these guys like to strike. I don't see takedowns happening a whole lot. Um, and like I said earlier, we need the underdogs in our lineup, and I think if – Mike Rodriguez wins, it's going to be high scoring. So that's why I really like him. Not super confident that he gets the win, but if he does get the win, it's probably going to be like 100 or more points. And at his price tag, that's going to put him on the winning lineup. So he's one of my favorite dogs to target this week. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and pick him out right. Uh, I think Milstead might be lower owned, so he's worth a shot in GPPs too because he can go out there and get the knockout as well. But it's going to be a lot harder for him to reach his value at uh, 8700 or whatever it is compared to Mike Rodriguez. So give me the dog here, and hopefully he can pull off the upset and maybe win a GPP. So speaking of underdogs, Trevor Smith's taking on Zach Cummings, and uh, the one thing I'll say is that Trevor Smith is the bigger man in this fight. You know, Zach Cummings, he just lost to a 55er in Michelle Prezeris. Now he's taking on an 85er in Trevor Smith. You think uh, Trevor Smith uh, can get some takedowns in this one? Uh, he might be able to, but Cummins isn't bad on the ground, so uh, I don't know how much success he's going to have there. Uh, so it's really hard for me to see him getting the upset here. i got to roll with Cummings. I just think his wrestling is going to be good enough to keep this fight standing, and I think he's going to be the better stand-up striker. Uh, I just think you're going to really need a knockout for him to reach value at that $9,200 price tag. Uh, Smith's been knocked out like four times in his career, so it could definitely happen, uh, but I just think there's better targets in that 9k range uh cummins will probably make my player pool but he's not going to be one of my heavier targets but i'm picking him to win here and last but not least the four and no juan adams he's minus 440 he's taking on chris de la roca i mean you think uh it's warranted the kid's only four and oh i mean de la roca is terrible um so i would say it is warranted just by his size and power alone I mean, he only needs one to hit, and this fight's probably over. If he gets a one takedown, it's probably over. So, uh, yeah, I got to roll with him, and I think the the only real issue is who you're going to pick, him or Grant, because they're both great plays. Uh, they're both probably going to score more than 100 points with a first-round knockout. Uh, it's hard to get them both in your lineup, so you're going to have to choose between one or the other, and I'm just going to be mixing them in. I'm probably going to have every one of my lineups is going to have one of the two in it, um, and I think Adams probably gets a, a knockout within the first two minutes. Well, that's why you are the DraftKings guy for half the battle. The fans can follow you at Big Marley 3. Kyle, any message for them? 
That man, let's get this money. Keep this heater rolling. And that's why Big Marley is the DraftKings guy for half the battle. Well, Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC Milwaukee? My fight to watch is Jack Hermanson versus GM3. You know, I feel like the uh, winner of the fight is definitely going to get a big fight next in that top 15. You know, possibly, you know, an Elias type of fight or something like that. But uh, I think that's the fight to watch. You know, a lot of money's been coming in on Mershart. And, you know, uh, it's kind of like the underground main event. Yeah, for me, uh, my, my fight to watch is Dan Hooker versus Edson Barbosa. I mean, let me know the last time. Edson Barbosa and Dan Hooker had boring fights because you absolutely can. I mean, these two are going to go. They're going to stand and bang until one man falls, or it's going to be a three-round war. You know, I'm very curious to see uh, who shoots for a takedown first, if anyone. You know what I mean, Shaq? I really think that it's going to be fireworks, and there might be a guaranteed bonus check for one, if not two, of these competitors. So for that reason, Dan Hooker versus Edson Barbosa is my fight to watch. Well, Shaq. Who is your fighter to watch for UFC on Fox 31? Yeah, my fighter to watch is going to be Joaquim Silva. You know, I think uh, he's an underrated guy at 55. I think that uh, he's got a good opportunity to come in to, uh, you know, uh, into Gordon's adopted hometown, I guess, and get a big win, a big win on Fox. Uh, he's come to the States before and won. And uh, I think that he's got uh, a bright future ahead of him. So that'll be JJ. Yeah, I'm very pumped to see the progression of Neto BJJ's career. I've always uh, enjoyed watching him fight. For me, the fighter to watch is Sergio Pettis. You know, there's a guy that I feel like he didn't get the respect he deserved after that uh, after that Joseph Benavidez fight. I already mentioned how much respect I have for Joseph Benavidez. I mean, not just because uh, he's a legend for being married to Megan Olivia. I mean, look at his fucking resume. I already mentioned he's only lost to Cruz, DJ, and, uh, and Sergio Pettis, and in this fight, it's going to answer a lot of questions because, you know, the Formiga fight, it, it wasn't really a fight. You know, he backpacked him for three straight rounds. No one got hurt. It, it, it was cute, you know. But now, this is going to be a real fight with Robbie Font. And if Sergio goes out here and beats Robbie Font, you know what's interesting? Because, you know, people always talk about how Sergio needs to break away from the shadow of his brother. You know, Anthony's 8-7 and seven in the UFC and Sergio's 8-4 and four in the UFC. If Sergio wins this fight, he's going to have more wins in the UFC than his brother Anthony. So I, I think we can, you know, remove him from the shadow of his brother. I think he's his own guy. And if he goes out here and beats Robbie Font, there's no more Anthony's little brother. You're, you're, you're going to be talking about Sergio Pettis, the contender, because anytime you beat Rob Font... It's a big deal, and only high-profile guys do that. So for that reason, Shaq, Sergio Pettis is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday, UFC on Fox 31. Make sure you guys tune in early because, you, as you know, these Fox cards are very early, and you know this is actually the last Fox card in UFC history. They're moving on to ESPN. And real quick, just to you know, give a little memory you know, a little a little stroll down memory lane, Shaq. Uh, you remember the first ever Fox event? Remember how it was Cain Velasquez versus Junior Dos Santos the first time? And they actually had about uh, 59 minutes of talking, but only one minute of a fight because they didn't want to fuck up so bad. They had to put the perfect fight on because, you know, the stigma of the sport and all these things. They were scared to put a full fight card on there. Nowadays, they're putting the prelims on there. They only had Kane and JDS and... uh the fight only lasted uh, 60 seconds, Shaq. That was, a, uh, that was a crazy knockout at the time. Kane was supposed to be the new generational heavyweight, and uh, he got starched, and 
uh, what, less than a minute 30? How, how, how long was it exactly? Yeah, I mean, something among among those lines, 67 seconds. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember the exact But, uh, I mean, just the great, there was a lot of great fights on Fox, man. Uh, yeah, I loved how they started putting on the prelims and, you know, letting the fighters get uh, interviews before they step in the cage. So, it's, uh, we're off to bigger and better things with ESPN, but it was a nice run at Fox. Yeah, you know, shout out to Fox for giving the UFC a chance because, you know, for for me personally, when I was able to tell people that, you know, don't normally watch the sport that you can you can put it on Channel 5 and watch UFC now and, you know, they put on some very good cards on uh on Fox, I remember specifically uh, Nate Diaz versus Jim Miller. Uh, you remember that card? It was a great one. Uh, that was the same night that that Alan Belcher, Alan Belcher pounded out Husimar Palhares. So they, they did a lot of great cards on Fox. And man, I can't wait to see what they do with ESPN. It's going to take the sport to the next level. And for those who haven't heard, Francis Ngannou is fighting Cain Velasquez. Uh, I can't wait to break that fight down. But Shaq, we got to get out of here, man. The fans can follow you at MMA Genius 5 They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. Our Instagram, Best Fight Picks Official. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Thank you guys so much for the support. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.